Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Cracking Night Show, the only podcast on the planet dedicated to the two youngest teams in the NHL. That, of course, is the Vegas Golden Knights and the Seattle Kraken. Uh, if, for those of you that are regular listeners or viewers, you'll know that we were talking about the trade deadline, which has been and gone. Uh, JP, as always with me, uh, we were just talking before we began recording about the fact that it was the busiest uh, trade deadline in the lo- ever or just in a long time. You were, you're the man with the stat. Yeah, I, I read a, a, from a member of the press here in Vegas posted that it actually was close to double. Double. The, the largest amount, the, so the largest number of trades ever. Mm. In a prior year, in some you know some prior year at some point, they, they, it was close to double this year. I don't. You and I were discussing why that is. You know, like we're talking in the past, it was more like in the twenties kind of thing. This time mm-hmm. around, it was well into the forties, I think, in terms of number of trades and deals that happened, which is in, insanity. So, but uh, we talked a little bit about this. But why do you think that is? What's why so many this year? Mm-hmm. So I think you got two things. The East is ridiculously strong. Yeah. Um, and and like it's, it's been strong for a while. Tampa have been strong. You know, you've got teams like Toronto that always look strong. Maybe the playoffs don't quite uh, quite go in, in tandem with that. Mm-hmm. But you've got a lot of teams in the East that are very strong. And then in the West, you've got a lot of teams that have pressed the rebuild button. So that mixture <laughs> of, um, I'll be kind and say rebuild button rather than the nuclear button, which is what <laughs> some of the, the teams have been doing. The, the burn um, it to the ground button. Yeah, just, you know, like, uh, so but you imagine, especially like the Chicago Blackhawks, they would have gone into the, the locker room like the day after the tread deadline and be like, oh, there's nobody here. So, like, it was just just chaos. Um, but then you've got teams like Boston were loading up, Toronto were busy, um, mm. D- Detroit. Detroit were in this classic, um, and uh, Steve Eisenman's such a great GM. I mean, they are so lucky to have him, but he... He waited, he waited, he waited like Bertuzzi. Like, was he going to trade him? Was he not going to trade him? Obviously, he did. Um, but they still made moves, you know, based on their situation, which I thought was was, was very cleverly done. Um, we're obviously going to talk about the, the Vegas Golden Knights trades and the Seattle Kraken lack of trades. Um, <laughs> but the, <laughs> but, thank God, we're only a Kraken uh, podcast. Otherwise, we would literally have nothing to talk about. Right, so, right. <laughs> luckily, Vegas saved us um, yeah. and, and did some of the things that we kind of thought were going to happen. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But before we get to trades, because there's worth talking about the results very, very quickly. Because both teams, and this hasn't happened that often this season, but we're both on win streaks. Mm-hmm. Um Last time we spoke, it was a bit hit and miss for both teams, probably more miss for Seattle than Vegas. But actually, the last two games, being Carolina 3-2 and the New Jersey game, which I know you're at and you're going to want to talk about, um, Vegas looking like they're okay. They're not rolling teams over, and there is an argument to say maybe they shouldn't have won the New mm-hmm. Jersey game. Mm-hmm. But still, good teams win when they shouldn't. and. Right. They are doing everything they need to do to be in the playoff, you know, mix. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I was at the at the game against New Jersey last night, and there's a there's a different there's a palpable energy in the arena and the fan base with the team. Mm-hmm. It, look, it's never going to be like year one again. That was an anomaly, but the, the, there's a there's a joy and a an excitement around the team right now that I haven't seen since year one. And it's got little hints of year one. And there's something, mm. you're right, stats-wise, Jersey should have probably should have won that game if you're just looking at the stats. But I was there, and I had good seats, and I was right behind the Knights bench. And watching <laughs> the game, it didn't, it didn't feel that way. New Jersey got a lot more shots, that's for sure. And watching their offense go to work was impressive. They're fast. You know, their, their offense is high-octane. However... Yeah. It they you know and they had plenty of high danger chances, but watching it, it just felt like the Knights had it under control. Like in some ways, it felt like defensively they kind of they sort of had it under control. Aiden Hill, of course, had the the game of his life, so you know he was responsible for helping them steal that game. But this it's like you said, this is what happens. Teams steal games in the playoffs, and good teams have to be able to do that. And uh, and the Knights totally went toe to toe with Carolina. You know, they earned that win. Mm-hmm. These are two behemoth teams that are 
both probably contenders and the Knights beat them both. So they're heating up at the right time. Um, yep. And yeah, is, is it perfect? No. Are there still things they could work on? Absolutely. They had an, an amazing power play. They didn't score on it, but it was the best power play I've seen from the Knights in yeah. months. It, they, I only I think they only had the one or maybe two, but there was one power play that just looked outstanding. They did everything but score. So I they're trending in the right direction, and you can feel it. The team's excited about it. The fans are excited about it. So it's good stuff, and the trade deadline helped, you know? It certainly did. And, and, and yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, one of the things that surprises me, I mean, if we were to ask the average... You know, Vegas fan on the street. You know, where's Vegas in comparison to a team like Dallas? I think that they would they would say, without looking at the standings, that Dallas are the better team, mm-hmm. maybe the more consistent yeah. team, the stronger mm-hmm. team. But actually, yeah. when you look on paper, you've got the same point percentage. You know, you're both on eighty and eighty-one points. You've both played sixty-three, or you've played sixty-two. So, arguably, if you win your game in hand, you mm-hmm. have you are above them in that you are top of the West. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I think for all the kind of ups and downs that the Vegas season's had, they are showing that they are contenders. Now, people will be very quick to say, yeah, but they won't beat Tampa or they won't beat you know, Boston or et cetera, et cetera. Who cares? You're not going to face them until the Stanley Cup final anyway. So it doesn't really matter whether or not you think you're better than Boston or sure. better than Tampa. You have to be better than Dallas, than Minnesota, right. than Winnipeg, than Los Angeles, than Seattle, than Edmonton. So Right, right. I think Vegas are in a great place, and, and we'll talk about their moves in a second, but I absolutely loved everything that they did at the trade deadline, um, you know, and uh, and we'll get to that in two seconds. In terms of the Kraken, again, they've had a quite strong couple of weeks. You know, they've had some poor games. You know, we were talking about the <laughs> Bosto, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if people remember that from last time um Welcome boston, to boston. <laughs> yeah and uh and toronto otherwise known as toronto and um you know i said hopefully we can get something from those two games and we didn't get anything from either of those two games yeah boston yeah. we took six five i mean what a game to be at I, this is these are the sorts of games where i i have to say i do not like the nhl's new media agreement that they have because over in the, in the uk and if we have listeners that are in the uk or in fact in europe please let us know comment below if you're watching us on youtube or whatever you want to do let me know if you're having the same problem in terms of watching live nhl games because legally i might point out let's just add that caveat in legally watching i know i could stream nhl games illegally but that's not something that i'm wanting to do so i wanted a legal you know, subscription-paying way to just be able to watch my games. And in the past, that was NHL TV. Now, I, that doesn't exist in the UK anyway. Mm. And um, and it sucks. So, because <laughs> I would have loved to have watched that game. I yeah. mean, it was literally a toe-to-toe. First period, 1-1. Second period, 3-3. Final yeah, period, 2-1 to Boston. Um, just unfortunately. neck and neck, yeah. yeah. But for us to go toe-to-toe with Bosto like that was um you know is 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 impressive okay it wasn't the result we wanted we wanted to win but i just think it's you know that's a great place to be at uh, toronto um i nearly called it toronto again i'm gonna have to stop saying otherwise i'm just gonna look like i'm an idiot um more so than normal uh, and a 5-1 loss to them that was very very painful and unfortunately that was the sort of night that reminds you where vegas's achilles heel is um you know, and uh, I don't need to tell you a bit of the story about why it's called an Achilles heel, but it is pretty much exactly that for, for, for Seattle. You know, we are, I think we're quite tough to play against. We score goals. We've got some great youth. We've got a pretty good D-line, which is amazing compared to last year. It looked like crap. Um, but then it's the goalies. It's still a goalie situation. It's mm. still a problem for us. Mm. There are times when Grubauer makes me think, wow, actually, he's maybe he's not as bad as I thought. Um, and then he reminds me that he is. So it's, yeah, tough. In- inconsistent, tough. I think he's had right? a better month. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Is it, Consistency, he's still, that's what you want. He's still been inconsistent. Um, yeah. Some of that could be the decor, but it's, it's, some of it come mm. comes back to him too, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, like when you speak to somebody and they're like on their seventh or eighth 
broken relationship and you kind of stared like, well, it's, it's clearly them. And you're like, well, it's been eight <laughs> well, times so and yeah, maybe, right. maybe it's you. Maybe it's yeah, not all them. Um, and that's right. what I kind of feel like Grubauer, like it, it, he could say as the defense, yeah. but I would say, yeah, I'm not so sure because they're making Martin Jones look good, you know? Sure. And on a team that's got as good a record as Seattle, it's, it was different last year, but now Seattle's doing quite well and it's likely playoff mm. bound. It's harder to make that excuse on a team that's this good, you know. Exactly, and I'm not going to bore everybody with stats. We'll we'll do a you know a proper deep dive into Grubauer the goalie situation in, in in Seattle on another episode. But when you look at the high danger chances, like his goalie stats don't look good on any of those levels. Like when, as right. you remember, Leno a couple of years ago, like his high danger chances, his save percentage was amazing, and that's when you knew that he was at his peak because. Mm. He was saving the goals that you shouldn't be saving. Even if right. you've got a 9-15 safe percentage, those are the goals you're supposed to be letting in. So mm-hmm. um, He was going yeah, above hey. and beyond that. Yeah, every game he's making a couple above stops and he shouldn't have made. And, yeah. Exactly. Um, so let's talk trades. And as I said, Seattle, very, very quiet, and we'll come to that in a minute. But let's pick on the uh, Vegas Golden Knights as they did a couple of things. Um, our good friend, Future Considerations, <laughs> came, <laughs> came out to play, um, which is uh, not Such a, a good prize. Future Considerations. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just a lot of this, I, I just, I, what, I'd still, I don't know that, and, and thanks. Um, it's just completely on out of my head. Who, who, who explained to us how the Future Considerations work? Oh um, yeah, yeah. And uh, one of our avid listeners did. So thank you. You right. know who you are. Um, right. I even know if I can't remember. Um, and uh, I, I just, I just love it. I think that's great. But I've, so in terms of, we'll ignore the trades that happened pre-Christmas. There was a trade that happened in November. It was pretty minor. Future considerations. Classic coming back to Vegas for a player that no one really cares about. So we'll move on to that. The first meaningful trade happened on the twenty-second of February, and that was. The Vegas Golden Knights trading Shea Weber. Now, why is that important? Well, that really kickstarted all the other trades. So, one of the things that was an issue this year for quite a lot of teams in the NHL is they actually had too much cap space. Uh, and Vegas Golden Knight fans are saying, "What's that, Ian? I've never heard of too much cap space." <laughs> like, right? What, what is this weird is this? thing you're talking about? <laughs> 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 Where you're looking at the cap floor rather than the ceiling and saying, "Wow." Right. How right. am I going to hit the 60 million and not get pinged? Right. Um, so, so if you actually have a look at the Arizona Coyotes uh, contracts uh, on on Cat Friendly, uh, if you're sad like I am, you'll see that Andrew Ladd and um, uh, one of the other players, I think it's Brian Little, um, have both not been put on IR, even though neither player is playing. And the reason why they've not done that is because they don't want the cap relief that they're going to get by doing that. So they've actually left those players in their roster for well knowing that they're not going to play them or can't play them because they're actually injured. So the Shea Weber deal allowed them to free up a roster spot but still retain a chunk of cap because it was 7.8 million was uh, Shea Weber's annual contract. Um, And a fifth round pick and then a player called, uh, I presume it's pronounced Dyson. uh, D-Y-S-I-N. Dyson Mayo, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, who... Fifth round draft pick back in, back in 2014 hasn't exactly been killing it in the NHL, so I felt like it was just a case of getting somebody, so it wasn't nothing. But yeah, whatever. Right. Okay, but that right. that started the the kind of carousel. The next move was the big one, and that was on the 26th of February, so just after we finished recording. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, and that involved uh, Zach Dean, who obviously was a Vegas first round draft choice. Which so Vegas have continued their um, cycle of trading first-round draft picks. So this was drafted mm-hmm. 30th overall, it is worth pointing out, in the 2021 draft. Uh, and they got back Ivan Barbashev. And I'm going to pause there to get your thoughts on that trade, JP. But it is a it is a Vegas thing now to always trade your first round. <laughs> like, if you ever get drafted by Vegas, make sure you get drafted in the second round because you've yeah. got a chance of staying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they definitely go all in, don't they? Um, when the trade happened, I felt pretty good about it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the price was about right. I, I don't think, uh, I don't think they, oh, I think it depends. And I've, I think I've read that you said this as well on, on the Kraken Knights, uh, Twitter feed. I think I saw you say something similar, which is 
It could be a little bit of an overpay if they don't re-sign him. If it's just a rental, then maybe it's a bit much for, for a rental. I My feeling is they're going to try to re-sign him, I think. Yep. I think they're going to try to keep him on the team. And now that he's played three games, it, the trade looks really good so far. Now the first, his first game with the team was was the spanking by the Avalanche, the three nothing, you know, shutout, and that was just an off game for the team. But yeah, he's had I think he's got three points now over three games, Correct. and yep. they've they've got him on the first line with Jonathan Marcheseau and Jack Eichel, and let me tell you. The three of them together are working out. It's only uh, really only got to see them work together well for two games. Avalanche mm-hmm. was kind of him just settling in the game against the Avalanche. But watching it firsthand, the three of them work very well together. And, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that line has, has been responsible for the majority of the production. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Eichel scoring, Marshall Show scoring, Barb. Barbashev is getting assists. Getting you assists, know, yeah. he's he's gritty. Um, the team is lacking in that. We don't have as many gritty players as the team used to, and he likes to cause chaos in the blue paint. You know, it, it looks really good right now. It looks like a really good trade to me. It, I agree. It's always going to be in hindsight, right? Ask me again three months yes. down the road, and we'll see. But right now, it, it looks like a great deal. Yeah, I think he gives you, like, he's not Mark Stone. Okay. Before people take what I'm about to say the wrong way, he's not Mark Stone. No. He gives you some of what Mark Stone gave the Vegas Golden Knights. Some of what you've lost mm-hmm. has come back with Barbashev because of his strength, because of his, now he's, you know, he is, he's a, you know, he's on the, a, you know, I don't know whether he's that active on the power play, but he's the sort of player that, you can imagine being a feature in that if he isn't already, mm-hmm. especially in games when you're looking for that greasy goal and you need somebody right. who's just going to be a pain in the backside, front of the goalie, like I said, in the blue paint, causing trouble, mm-hmm. big body, hard to move. Um, mm-hmm. This is a point scorer. You know, I mean, like, okay, this season, while he's been with the Blues, he scored 29 points in 60 games. That's a point every other game. It's not bad for a, a top six forward. Mm-hmm. Season before that, he had 60 points in 81 games. You know, 26 goals as well for you know for a player that's seen as a guy who hits, mm-hmm. not a guy who uh, who's particularly skilled. Although I, I do believe that he is, um, so I could see that working. I, I think for me, and I stand by what I said on Twitter, um, the overpay will be if he goes. He's on a very low salary right now. Um, he's on mm-hmm. 1.4. Million, I believe. No, sorry, two point. That was his previous contract. Two point two five million. Yeah, so just yeah. over two point two million for two years, which finishes uh, this year now. So, can you get him again on a two million pound deal? Probably not. Yeah. Will you be able to afford him? I guess we're going to see what happens with Mark Stone. Does Mark Stone come back? What happens with Robin Leonard? Does Robin Leonard come back? The cap mm-hmm. situation of Vegas is very, very, very flexible. Yeah, it's fluid um, right now. Based on a yeah. couple of things. Yeah. But yeah. I think, and look, it all comes down to, if, if have you got a better chance of winning this Stanley Cup with him? If I can get my teeth to stay in just for a bit. Um, <laughs> like, can you can you win the Stanley Cup with him? I think you're better placed to do so. Um, there's a really good interview with Bill Gurren, who's the, um, uh, the Minnesota Wild GM on, on 32 Thoughts. And he talks about having a team that's built for all different situations in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's what Vegas need to do. If they're going to meet the San Jose Sharks in the first round, they're not going to meet the San Jose Sharks. If they're going to meet the LA Kings mm-hmm. in the first round, that might actually happen. The San Jose Sharks, not like Probably not. <laughs> um, probably not. Not this year anyway. Um, but if they meet the LA Kings, we know what the LA Kings game is like. We know they're going to play hard. They're going to play very defensive-minded, even though I don't want to say that they don't attack. They do, but they've, they've got to, they like to shut the neutral zone down. Mm-hmm. You need a player like him could be a difference maker. So, so I like the move, and I don't feel like it was a massive overpay. And when you look at some of the other trades we could talk about later, the Timo Meyer trade, for example, or even the John Klimberg trade. Okay, yes, you had to give up a potential first round. You know, first well, he wasn't a potential first round. He was a first round pick, but a potential top six player. Right. But with the greatest respect to Zach Dean. He it's is just, just that. potential. He is yeah. potential. Um, yeah. And look, he's, he's, he's played okay this mm-hmm. season. 
um, you know, up until I think he was injured. But he, anyway, regardless, he's he's not exactly the finished article. Right. You know, we see players like Peyton Krebs and others that we've lost over the years. Sometimes when you're in win-now mode, you can't worry about whether or not someone's going to become a superstar in six years' time because that's too late. You've got to go for it now. So I, I just I felt right. like it was a good move. Um, yeah. The next move, though, uh, and it just it just kept like topping and topping and topping. So Teddy Bluger was the next move. A third round pick went back to Pittsburgh and a I believe a defenseman. Uh, it's kind of horrendously pronounce his name here. Uh, I know the first name is easy. It's Peter. Um, is it Deliberatore? Oh, de- Deliberatore, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so what a name that is, by the way. It's absolutely yeah, it's lovely. A ma- it's I, I, a mouthful, the, yeah. <laughs> like the back of his jersey must be crazy. Yeah, um, but this is a guy who's the you know, played in the AHL, <laughs> not done that much in the AHL, also played in the ECHL. I think that may have actually been where he was before he was traded. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. sure he was actually with the, the, the Silver Knights um, before, before he moved, but not a massive amount to give up. And again, what I like about Teddy Bluger is he's that bottom six guy. He's a good, you know, he could be good. In the, he's got a lot of playoff experience because he's been at the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and they have a tendency to make the playoffs. And yeah. yeah, okay, he's got 10 points this season. Not killing it, but I felt like it was a good depth for a move. The sort of thing I thought the Seattle Kraken would do. Um, yeah. But more on that later. And then the final move, and this was the move where I was, I kind of got up in the morning, flicked open my... Uh, my apps to see what had gone on. And I saw this move and I was like, wow, I like that, that I like. And that was the Jonathan Quick trade. You know, mm-hmm. they gave up, let's be honest, and I don't mean any disrespect to Michael Hutchinson, but they gave up nothing. Okay. Yeah. They gave up Michael Hutchinson, who is a backup goalie to a backup, right? He's not even a number two. And a seventh rounder, which is ultimately a pick that's worth absolutely nothing. Hmm. And to get a Stanley Cup winning goalie, even if he doesn't play every game, having someone like him in the locker room is worth its weight in gold. You know, absolutely worth yeah. its weight in gold. And I know he's not had a great season in comparison to last year, which was a bit of a, you know, a rejuvenation to his career. But I just think having that experience, having that mental toughness that Jonathan Quick has for some of the younger guys, people like Aiden Hill, who it may fall on in terms of the playoffs, depending what happens with Thompson. I like it a lot. Agreed. And and I think it's important for fans of the team to understand that this is not this is not acquiring legendary goalkeeper Jonathan Quick. This is not a star goalie acquisition now. Does he have that in his, in his history? Absolutely. He he has mm-hmm. been an amazing, he's had an incredible career. One of the greats, for sure. They mm-hmm. This was not an acquisition. They didn't pick him up to get that goalie because that goalie doesn't exist anymore. This was a low-cost, low-risk insurance move. I mean, he uh, yes, because our the goaltending yeah. depth chart has been decimated, with Brossois going out again and Thompson still out, and so yeah, it was a great move. It didn't cost him much, and let's face it, Jonathan Quick is going to be, he is going to be, extra motivated. He's going to find a little extra fire for sure because he was not happy about being traded. It's the only team he's ever played for in the NHL. He spent his entire career, and and he did not see it coming, according to him. Um, mm-hmm. And then, as as many of you know, or if any of our listeners don't, you know, he was initially traded to the Blue Jackets, right? And and then they immediately flipped him to Vegas. But a lot of that came down to Quick didn't want to play for the Blue Jackets. That's the impression I got. It sounds like he yeah. called the GM of the Blue Jackets and basically said, "Look, no offense, this isn't where I want to be," and. I don't, you know, I'm sure acquiring quick wasn't the Blue Jackets primary primary goal either necessarily. It was moving Corpusalo and getting some value there or something. But anyway, uh, it's bizarre the way it went down and it was a whirlwind 24 hours. He didn't even go to Columbus, right? So then he's in Vegas <laughs> no, 24 he hours no. later and and he's, you know, now he's he's going to have a little bit of fire in his belly about that. 
in the same way that the entire first year team did. He's been let go from the team that he gave most of his career to. And so he's a misfit now, which fits in <laughs> perfectly here. He is a misfit. And so I think we may be surprised what we see out of Jonathan. I mean, I, that's just my prediction. I think there's probably some good performances that are going to come out of that guy simply because of the circumstances, the drama. It's going to be one of the most watched stories in the entire league. The first time, yeah. and, and it's happened. It starts tomorrow. He's starting against Montreal tomorrow afternoon. Like he's having, he's because Hill has been working his butt off. So Hill needs a break yeah. after, you know, especially after the game he played last night. I'm sure he's pretty sore because i think yeah. new jersey put 49 <laughs> shots on the board or something like that and he stopped all but yeah. three of them but anyway yeah I, I think the quick trade is fantastic i think it was a it smart is. insurance move and i think he brings more to the table than just you know his save percentage in his numbers which as you said have not been great but um no. a change of scene can do a lot for people i mean look at what happened with mark andre Fleury. remember mark andre Fleury was yeah. kind of on the decline things weren't going well Leonard comes in, totally changed Fleury's attitude, and then he has a Vesna winning season. So I wouldn't write off uh, quick just yet, is, is my feeling yeah. on the whole thing. You know? And uh, touche with uh, him being a misfit, by the way, mate. That's, uh, that's, that's a very, very good point for a start. Um, imagine now, right? So it's LA Kings, Vegas, first round of Stanley Cup playoffs. You are starting Jonathan Quick. I tell uh, you that now. Like, yeah. as good as Aiden Hill or, or Thompson could be at that point. You, you know, if you're Cassidy, you're turning around to Quick and saying, how much do you want to put it to the guys? Mm -hmm. uh, okay, yeah. you've got teammates, friends, that are still going to be on that team. Mm -hmm. But there's, there'll be a bit of resentment. Like he was, he was quite, like Jonathan Quick pretty much came out and said, I, I did not want this trade. Yep. Um, He's not happy. And I don't, I don't want to play for the Blue Jackets. Now, yeah. the reality is he was, unfortunately, as much as he may, may annoy him even more, he was a cap shed. It's what he was. Um, yeah. I mean, they got back Johnson quick, but what they really wanted was the first round pick. That's, that's right. what they wanted, you yeah. know? Um, so they were happy to and, flip him. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a conditional first round pick on the basis mm -hmm. that the Kings qualify for the 2023, obviously this year, the playoffs, which I think they probably will. Um, but Very they, likely. The Kings wanted Corpusalo and they wanted Gavrikov. That's what they wanted. Right. They wanted the goalies. They, needed, they need to sort the goalie situation out in L.A., because mm -hmm. Cal Peterson was going to be the savior and he's proven not to be that. You know, they can't put everything on, um, I can't even think who their other goalie is right now, but they, they can't put everything on a Co as Copley, I think it is, who's their other goalie, yeah, mm -hmm. Phoenix Copley. But they can't put their future on him. So it makes sense for both sides. And it, yeah. what a great result for Vegas to be able to pick someone up like that. And, you know, so right. amazing. Yeah. For me, that summed up the whole window which I just mm -hmm. thought, tick, tick, tick. You know, would it have been nice for them to have gone out and got like a super, super star, like a Timo Meyer or a Patrick Kane or, yeah, probably. But I just think realistically the gymnastics just don't work for yeah. that. They just don't have the cap room, even with the, you know, the Mark Stone LTIR yeah. boost. And, and one of the things you have to remember about trades, I think a lot of fans think like that, when teams are adding at the deadline or in the off season, that it's just go out and get the biggest player that you can get. Yeah. The, you know, the, it's about plugging in to places of need in the lineup. And the Golden Knights have always Sun been is. really good at doing that. And that's exactly what they did this time. They chose players based on very specific needs and, they, and they're filling those needs. And I got to say, just really quickly, I think Teddy Bluger is a very intri intriguing player. I think that's a really intriguing pickup. If you look back at his career, yeah, he doesn't have a lot of production, but I think in the NHL, but I think that has to do with how he's being used. He was a bit of a yeah. goal scorer, apparently, in his earlier career, minors, college, that kind of thing. He's been compared by a lot of people to Pierre Edward Belmar, who was a fan favorite in Vegas. Gritty, fast, um, great character guy. He's, he's a fascinating dude, too. Like, I watched an interview with him. Apparently, he's a native of Riga, Latvia. He speaks, like, four languages. But he speaks English with zero accent. Like, 
he just seems like a really interesting character to me. And he was very well spoken in the interview that I saw when he first arrived in Vegas. They interviewed him in the locker room. And uh, mm. he makes a very strong impression just in the way he speaks. And so I could just feel that like he's a character guy. And I think he's going to he's going to be surprising as well. I think it's another one of those kind of like Chandler Stevenson pickups, right? Where I'm not yes. saying he's going to be a first or second line guy, but I think he has got a lot of value that wasn't being realized. And, um, mm -hmm. and I, you know, saw it firsthand. It was his first game the other night and he is fast and physical and gritty. And they're kind of making up for stone in the aggregate a little bit, which you and I talked about a bit. Yeah. They're doing a bit of a money ball and, um, I think it's working so far. So, but good, yeah, good go. trade deadline for the Knights, in my opinion. I think they did well. Cool. So some Vegas ball going on, like it. So that's right. <laughs> I would, I would summarize the Vegas uh, trade deadline as a. There you go. I agree with that. So, so a tick in the box, a win, mm -hmm. if you will. Um. So then we flip to the Seattle Kraken, and. For me, I would say that was more like. Now, there's going to be people who disagree on this side. And I, I, I didn't expect them to go hard on someone like Timo Meyer or to go for somebody, you know, like a John Klingberg and start trading first round picks or potential picks or prospects. And, you know, I didn't expect any of that. But what disappointed me was they did nothing. And we yeah. were talking before we came on air about trade deadline is about two things. It's about fixing your last chance to fix things before you go into the playoffs and to gear up. You know, the last chance to get something in your locker room that you want, that you think is going to be that piece that's going to turn you from being a contender to being a champion. That's the point of the trade deadline. Is it really about teams blowing up? It shouldn't be. Um, and we're going to come, come to that a little bit later on. But it shouldn't really be the time... When you decide you're going to trade players, should be when they have their least amount of value, which they do at the trade deadline, unless they happen to have a long contract um, or like they're an RFA, like uh, Timo Meyer was. But the you're also saying to your team, "We believe in you. We think you're going to get to the playoffs, so we're going to give you some support. We're going to aid you. We're going to bring in somebody who's going to help us win." So for 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 Vegas to do what they did. It sends that message into locker room, which is we are back all in. Not a shocker. But I felt the Kraken missed the opportunity and Ron Francis missed the opportunity, most importantly, to kind of say to his team, you're having a great season. This is better than I could have ever expected. It doesn't change the plan, but I'm going to spend a third round pick or a fourth round pick and I'm going to get you something in the locker room that's going to help you win. It might not. But it's that message to your team to say, we believe in what you're doing and right. we support you. Conversely, mm -hmm. someone could say, yes, but then someone in the roster has to drop out. Okay, I get that. And you could also argue, well, Carson Soucy was talked about a lot as being a trade candidate and they didn't trade him. So maybe it's the fact they didn't trade anybody away is the kind of that message. But when you see the Teddy Bluger trade, and you see the Johnson quick trade, especially with the way that goalies have been in in Seattle. You kind of feel like saying, wow, you, just, you could have done something. I've seen a lot of moves on the actual deadline itself that were for not a lot, you know, sixth round, fifth round picks. I just felt like them doing absolutely nothing. I feel Ron Francis missed, missed the mark with that one. Bit of a swing and miss in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Well, especially if you're talking just some depth ads, you can, it's, if you're, if you're smart, which we've seen a lot of teams do this, you can some, you can, it's not hard to find low risk, inexpensive depth ads, uh, no. that can, that can be contributors to your team, right? Even if they're rentals, but it's interesting. What do you think the mindset is? Like, have you been able to come up with why maybe he decided to stamp it? Is it, do you think it's that he's thinking in his mind, okay, our year to really go for it is going to be like year four or year five, and I am not going to alter the plan no matter what. I'm building. Do you think that's why he stood pat? Because it just doesn't mm. fit with the long-term plan? Or what's, you know, what's... I, I think they were scared by the results. really conservative. Oh, Very you think they're afraid they'll fall out? 
You, you think they're afraid they'll fall I, I, out? I mean, and, and look, to be honest, like if I take my rose tinted glasses off, glasses off for a second and I go back to the 16th of January and I look at the results since then, we're probably under 500. Yeah, and I the goalie okay. situation has yeah. started to creep back in mm-hmm. in terms of losing games right. that we shouldn't really be losing. Yeah, um, you know, but so there's fear of just missing out, like slipping out of the race I think and so. missing the playoffs. Yeah, and, okay. and therefore they didn't want to. I guess they didn't want to cost anything to to do that. But then if you mm-hmm. look at the team right now, the forwards they've got 13 dressed as it stands. So obviously mm-hmm. there's there's still space, but then you've got Donskoy on IR, Borkovsky on IR. Um, defensively, they've gone with eight defenders. So, hence, the, you know, obviously the fact they're still their right number. Could they have maybe dumped Kale Fleury out and gone and got somebody defensively? Maybe the Jacob Megna trade has been okay. He's played two games and he's got minus two. So, it's not exactly, he's not killing it, but you could have maybe got, got something else. And just dumped him down into the uh, into the minors. Um, you know, Will Borgen, you probably didn't want to move. Susie, obviously, arguably, maybe they could have got something for him. Maybe not. I, I think the defensive market this year was quite weak. Uh, you saw that in the Klingberg trade. He didn't get anywhere near what people were expecting as a return. And I think that's because there was a lot of defensemen on the market not like standout ones, but a lot of kind of average defensemen and therefore people didn't want to pay. And then you've got the Martin Jones Grubauer thing, which is could we have got a goalie in? But then it's it's I guess it's hard. It is hard. I mean I'm I'm making it sound very simple for Ron Francis to have just gone and got somebody in. I just felt like doing nothing probably. I mean, maybe they did try and do things. We just don't hear about it. But I just, it, I was a little bit disappointed as a fan. Right, I can mm, probably sure. put my logical head on and work out why he didn't do it. And if I was in the same shoes as Ron Francis, I probably wouldn't have done much either. But I think as a fan, you're expecting something where you can go, yeah, okay, we're in this. Whereas my kind of feeling now as a fan is, and and the table probably doesn't um, you know, tell a, a massively different story, which is that we're currently on... 76 points so we're now four points back from los angeles and yourselves um but we do have two games in hand on la so there are arguments still to say that with those two games won we would be in second place in the pacific right Mm -hmm. um edmonton obviously are rolling they've played two games extra than us on the same points so again those two games in hand are going to be quite pivotal here um, yeah. And then the next team in the wildcard race, and I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth, is Colorado, who have got 73. So they're three points behind us, but they do have two games in hand. Right. So I think realistically, our battle is between Edmonton, Calgary, and LA. And it just kind of felt like a bit of white flag going on from mm-hmm. Seattle. Almost like, uh, yeah, well, you know, what happens this year isn't part of the plan, as you said, JP. Right. So if we get in, enjoy the experience, boys. Yeah. And I'm just not sure that's the message to send, in my honest right. personal opinion. It's it's interesting because Vegas and Seattle really stand in stark contrast to one another <laughs> in terms of their philosophical approach to how to build a team, right? They're, they really are uh, polar opposites. That Clearly, Seattle's approach is super conservative. Yeah. It's much more long-term, or at least the, the philosophy is like, no, we're going to build slowly over time, yeah. you know, and, and, and build the organization. And obviously, and then Vegas, of course, as we know, is just like all in, like <laughs> win yesterday, right? And, and, and both yeah. approaches have their merit. Right. And, and both, it's interesting because both approaches can be successful. Like look at how Seattle's doing this year. So I, I don't know that there's one that's necessarily better than the other. They both have their pros and cons. It could also be the kind of thing where if you, pl- if you each approach, if played masterfully, if done properly, each approach can, can breed success. Right. And so far I can't really argue with what Seattle's done. Uh, no, to have these kind of no, to right. have these kind of results in year two it's is pretty incredible. After year but one, but I, yeah, exactly. But I totally get what you're saying, right? Like as a fan, that is not what that's not the kind of trade headline you want to see when they're <laughs> doing as well as they've been doing. But it it really does put on display, doesn't it? The stark differences in approach. 
between the two organizations and it speaks to the personality of the ownership, right. And, and sort of the goals of the mm. ownership. And, but it's fascinating to me because th this is a debate that you see all the time online and between fans about like, you have to build for the future, right? People, people curse Vegas all the time. Like, well, what does our future yeah. look like? And right. And then there's also probably just as many people cursing Seattle for not doing anything right. For not moving faster. And, um, I think yeah. both approaches have their merits, uh, but you, but they both have to be done well, right? There's a way to do it, a way to not do it. And some teams try to exist in the middle. And I think that's when you get screwed. I think you kind of have to, you have to go one way or the other. I think it's very hard to kind of do both, to be conservative and also be and in, in now it. mode. Like you kind of have to either, right? Yeah, yeah, you have to really go for it or yeah. you have to decide like, okay, no, 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 we're aiming for being a contender four years from now or what, whatever the, right? I'm just throwing that out there as a number, but but it feels like that's no, the I think approach you're right. Seattle's taking, right? Yeah, and I can't like I can't fault Ryan Francis for anything he's done since he took over. You know, some people didn't like the expansion draft, but there are mm -hmm. certain things he did in the expansion draft that have proved to be, you know, worthwhile. Arguably, yeah. we don't have a horrible first year. We don't get Shane Wright, and yeah. okay, Shane Wright's not playing in the organization right now, but he is playing very, you know, well back in juniors, and and he is a product for the future. So. You're right. You kind of got, if you imagine two people in a casino, Vegas is the kind of guy, you know, or girl who just shoves all the chips into the middle yeah. and just goes, yeah, yeah. I'm going to put go it all on red. Go home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and it's either going to be a fantastic <laughs> night or they're just going to be right. like crying into their beer two seconds later. Yeah. And, uh, and Seattle's the kind of, you know, methodical, just put one chip out at a time. It's like yeah. slow and steady wins the race kind of thing. So that's exactly um, right. We'll see. Be yeah. interesting to see over the next couple of years which, which method works. But as I said, sure. you can't help from a fan perspective feeling a little bit disappointed. But that's that. Yeah, 100%. So. To wrap this up, we're going to have one trade that we're going to both talk about that isn't to do with our two teams. Um, and I will very quickly kick off mine because you, you guys have heard me talk about this stuff before. And we On the previous cast, we talked about what was going to happen with the Patrick Kane trade and you know, where was he going to go. And I think everybody knew he was going to go to, uh, to the New York Rangers. It was then a case of, okay, so how much is he going to go for and what, what are they going to get back? Um, and the reality is the return was, was pretty poor, which people kind of knew that was going to be, it was going to be pretty poor. Um, it's not a massive, massive shock. Even the, even the kind of the insiders, uh, the GM didn't exactly come out, but the team unofficially kind of came out to, to temper fans expectations. Mm. Um, and the second round pick that the, the Blackhawks acquired does turn into a first round pick if uh, the Rangers meet, uh, make the Eastern Conference final. But it is worth pointing out that's a 2025 first round pick. So, you know, who knows what number that will be by then because the Rangers could either be Stanley Cup champions in 2025 or maybe they're going back for a rebuild and it's, it's worth a lot more. Who knows? Um, but to get back essentially a second round pick and a fourth round pick doesn't feel like a lot. I know there was some other parts in it. They got a guy from um, <clears throat> from Arizona who was who were like the third team in this trade because again a very trade deadline kind of thing. But there was a third team that was in the mix because we need somebody mm -hmm. to take fifty percent of the salary uh, <laughs> right. before they traded. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, I, it felt like it was disappointing. Those that are glass half full, um, I would normally put myself in this category, but I'll, I'll explain why I'm not in a minute, but would say, yeah, they got the best they could for him. Everybody knew that he was only willing to go to New York, so therefore New York had all the chips, had all the cards. So, you know, there was no bargaining that, uh, that the Blackhawks could do. I would say you knew you wanted to trade Patrick Kane at the beginning of the season, like you waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. And for whatever reason, <clears throat> and we may, we may never know the reasons why the trade didn't happen earlier, but then all the stuff came out about his hip. Then all the stuff came out about Tarasenko and Patrick Kane saying, I only really want to go to New York. Mm -hmm. So I felt like it was a mess they created themselves and to lose, you know, everybody like that is it. That's the end of, end of an era, I think is what a lot of people have called it. And it is, it is the end of the Blackhawks Stanley Cup winning era. It has been for a right. while, but this is like the official 
Yeah, he's um, such a pivotal you know, part of that. There yeah. in the coffin. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he's yeah, he's gone now and Taves is gone. Yeah. He may come back, but highly unlikely. Seabrook's right. gone, Keith's gone. Like that that team's gone. And <clears throat> to 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 lose a guy who's a franchise player for a second round pick. Yeah. I, I, the return was not great. Yeah, there were some and, other and, things that, that Blackhawks did, which was, which was okay, uh, in terms yeah. of trades. But that one, yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's a real shame. And timing is everything, right? They they we talked about this a little bit on last week's episode uh, or the prior week, but um, yeah, they just wait, they waited and waited. It's just they waited too long, didn't they? And, and waited the too longer long. they, the, yeah, the longer they waited, the less leverage they had and the the less value there was, and. Uh, Exactly. Yeah. Chicago is, they are not, they are just not knocking it out of the park much lately, are they? <laughs> they just kind of keep, they, they, they never seem to make the best, uh, the best choice or the best move on anything lately. Like it's just one bad decision no. after another. I mean, you know, good for Patrick Kane, right? That's where he wanted to wind up and he thought that door was closed and it wasn't, right? They just needed nope. to move some things around to make room for him. So good for him. Like that's, Cool, like great, great way. Maybe he can close out his career there. And um, and boy, yeah, the Rangers are stacking up, aren't they? The Rangers and Jersey, the, the man, the Eastern mm. Conference is is like frightening, mean this year. Yeah, it's frightening. Such a, yeah, wow. I mean, and and tit- the Titans, like teams that are just That's you it. know behemoths, are gonna go home after the first round is what's gonna happen. Yeah. Like because there's so many amazing teams. You know, two or three of them are going to be gone in the fir- in the first round. You know, or maybe the second. Like it's just how it's going to go because it's so many that are that good. Exactly. You look like a team like Toronto and said, well, "There's no way they're going out in the first round." But now you look at the other teams they're facing. But they you might go, this year. Yeah, they could. They could <laughs> again. Like, yeah, they exactly. could. It depends they could who again. they meet. You know, oh, they could. They could go time. again. Yeah, that'd be painful. Oh um, man. But yeah. talking about teams, which with Patrick Kane, I think that they waited too long. But yeah. the, the trade that I know you want to talk about was the definition of waiting just long enough. That was it. If this is the right. Goldilocks, you know, mm-hmm. and that uh, Patrick Kane's trade was too cold. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> this one was yeah. just, was just, just right. right. Oh, yeah. Because they waited. Yeah. And I hate saying it because it's San Jose. And obviously, a lot of the people who are fans of this podcast don't like San Jose. But if you're going to trade a superstar, which is what Timo Meyer is, you want to get a good return for him, and mm. I felt they they really did get a yeah. uh, get a good return for him. So just to summarize that trade before I pass it over, because there's a lot of there's a lot of pieces. This was a nine player trade, which oh, is insane. I yeah. mean, the paperwork involved with this, I, the GM probably deserves a pat on the back. So does the admin team because this is mental. So San Jose Sharks acquired Andreas uh, Johnson or Johansson Johnson. Um, He's 2.2 million, was in the AHL, could not get a spot on the New Jersey Devils, has had moments of playing where he's been quite good. That's how he earned that contract. So potential, maybe top nine player for them. Um, Zetterland, uh, and then two defensive prospects. And the reason I'm saying two defensive prospects is I know what those two defensive prospects' names are, and I ain't even beginning to attempt to say those names. And if you want to know, <laughs> go on Cap Friendly, have a look at the Just trade, not, and you'll see why I ducked out. Not even I ducked out. No. That's a that's a pass. That's a pass yeah. on those two names. Um, so Nikita and Shakir, we're calling by their first names, so I can do that. There you go. Those two players, and they're both. I think that one was a second round pick. Yeah, and one was second round, and uh, I think it's pronounced Mukhamadulin or something like that. Right, Shakir, as we'll call on, and uh, he was a first round pick. And the other guy wasn't. So they got those four players and they got a 2023 first round pick. It is conditional. Um, and the conditions are that if the pick is a top two selection, then they'll transfer the one before. So it's conditional on that, but I don't see that happening. So it will probably be a first round pick this year. And the 2024 second round pick is also conditional that if New Jersey makes the 2023 Eastern Conference final and Meyer plays in 50% of the games, the pick becomes a first round pick, which means potentially you've got two first rounders in there, which is just absolutely insane. Um, 
And they've got a seventh round pick in there, as if anybody cares. And then the other way was basically a load of stuff that doesn't really matter. And Timo Meyer, um, Scott Harrington, <laughs> and three AHL prospects and a fifth rounder. Mm. But let's be honest, it was all about Timo Meyer. That's what New Jersey wanted. That's what they got. And this is a guy who is an elite level player. He has scored 52 points in 57 games on a team that's been dreadful. He scored 76 points in 77 games the year before. Um, averaging before that at least 50 points a game. He scored 15 points in 20 games the last time he was in the playoffs, which is 2018-2019, uh, which Vegas fans will know that well. Um, but, you know, there you go. That, that's all the parts, JP. I'll let you explain why you want to talk about the trade, but that's a lot of stuff in that trade, man. Can you Can you imagine... The, the, the amount of time that must have gone into making that trade happen, how much time the GMs and the various staff must have spent on the phone. And my gosh, I, the, like you said, that, that, that trade is so complex. It makes my head spin a little bit like, or it's not complex, but it's just deep, right? There's so, so many parts to it. Yeah. There's, and, and, and you know, that they had to have gone back and forth and back and forth and back and forth to, to come up with so that. many times. That's not that's not something where you're just like, well, here's what we were thinking for a package. Like that's a package yeah. that gets put together with a million phone calls back and forth, and I'm sure they uh, had to pop some champagne in New Jersey when they, uh, you know, when they made the call to the league on that one and finally finalized it. But uh, you know, mm. the, the thing that blows my mind about the Timo Meyer trade. And, you know, there was talk that Vegas was in on them. I don't think Vegas was ever really in. I think Vegas made a few calls. I think Vegas said, well, mm-hmm. we're interested. You know, what's it going to cost? And what do you want? Yeah. Exactly. But I'd be willing to bet that the talks were never serious. There's no way Vegas would have put up what it cost to get him. But um, what blows my mind about the Timo Meyer trade is that New Jersey is already incredible. I I, I watched them <laughs> firsthand last night. Mm-hmm. They are so good. They are they are a really good team. Like they're mm-hmm. they're good enough already. And Meyer didn't play last night, by the way. So Meyer's not even in the lineup yet. And they're adding that right before they go into the playoffs. I mean, this team is a behemoth. They are fast. Their yep. offense is insanely good. And this is against, you know, the Knights are are not, they are no slouch when it comes to defense. Right, the the Knights have a great defensive core, and Jersey was running circles around them around the perimeter. Like they had them handled, but boy, they made them work hard. And yeah. there were plenty yeah. of high danger chances. Like like New Jersey's offense is frightening, and Meyer wasn't even in the lineup. And then what's even crazier than that is um, you still have Boston, and you still have the rain. That's what I'm saying. Going back to this Eastern Conference talk. There are monster teams over there. It's just nuts. Like you would think, oh, wow, yeah, who's going to be able to take on New Jersey? Actually, there's a handful of teams in the East that will be able to take yeah, on New Jersey. Could. Absolutely. So it's, it's crazy. Uh, I am grateful that the Knights play in the West <laughs> <laughs> and that the only way the Knights are going to face any of those teams in the postseason is, is if they make it to the final. And then it's only going to be one of them. And honestly, whoever makes it that far, they're going to beat each other to hell over there in the East for three rounds. And whoever <laughs> makes it through is going to be so beat up from having to face these other teams that a team from the West may have a shot. But uh, yeah, Timo Meyer, outstanding player, huge pickup for New Jersey. Uh, I can't believe Massive. that as good as they already are. Oh yeah, and we're going to throw Meyer into the mix. Like, uh, mm. And then look, it's looking like at least as it stands right now, unless that changes, it's going to be um, New Jersey facing the Rangers in the first round, depending on what happens. But what mm. is, I mean, I'm not missing one game of that series. Two stacked teams, huge rivalry. Yeah. Like old so, rivalry between the, that series is going to be amazing. As it stands today, you got um, Carolina and Boston, obviously, or Boston, who will be playing the two mm-hmm. wildcard teams. Which, right as it stands is looking like it's going to be islanders and pittsburgh mm-hmm. but we'll see uh and rangers are facing the new jersey devils as you rightly said and toronto will be facing tampa bay lightning 
So for those of you that think there's no way we can lose in the first round again, yeah, there's a way. Toronto drew Tampa again. They drew Tampa. I mean, we're not there yet, but that's right. That's how it's looking, right? It's almost, to be fair, like it is pretty much, I want to say it's it's dead cert, but it pretty much is dead cert because Boston are running away with the entire league. I mean, they are are literally insane. They've won 10 more games than Toronto. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Toronto won 38. Yeah. Tampa on 79 points. The next nearest team in their division is Buffalo on 68. There's no way Tampa are dropping 10 points. So, And yeah. there's no way either of them are overtaking Boston. So it is 100% going to be, and I, I'll call it right now, it's Toronto-Tampa Bay in the Stanley Cup final first round. The question will be who's at home. Right. <clears throat> the other question is does it even matter? But yeah, some people yeah. think it does. Uh, New Jersey Rangers, Pittsburgh, probably a little bit more in doubt, but not much, not mm-hmm. much. Yeah, so. yeah, it's starting to look set over there already, isn't it? But um, and I, it you is, know, from, it is. Yeah, from a selfish standpoint, if I'm you know going to comment again on the Meyer trade, I, you know he is look strictly on paper, he's an outstanding player. He would have been an amazing ad, but people in Vegas can't stand Meyer. They cannot stand Timo Meyer strictly from that villain hero. What role does he play on the team? Right, like he is one of the most hated San Jose Sharks in Vegas. So, yeah. would he have been an amazing ad? Yes, it would have been a huge uh, mind trip for everybody to all of a sudden try to start liking him because um, Meyer was like, yeah, definitely one of the. There's always a handful of players that you just can't stand, and uh, yeah. He's definitely one of them. So from a strictly selfish standpoint, I'm fine that Timo Meyer's not a Vegas Golden Knight. But um, yeah, on paper, obviously it would have been an amazing ad. I don't think they were ever even close, it would, it would to have be been. honest. So, um, yeah. and, uh, and, and look, one last thing to wrap the podcast up with as well, because then we will finish. This is a cautionary tale to any fan who gets a little bit trigger happy uh, when a player gets traded to their team and goes out and buys a jersey with their name and number on a little too fast. There was a, a, a hilarious picture of this guy in Columbus with a Columbus Blue Jackets jersey with Quick <laughs> and his number Quick, on the back. Yeah. And you thought, whoops. Oopsie. So I'm sure the numbers come off, but uh, yeah. Always wait until the end of the deadline, my friend. Don't, oh, you know, the Patrick even... Kane stuff was okay, but just... Sure. Yeah, just wait. Yeah, he had so. he had no idea Quick was going to get flipped within 24 hours. I remember <laughs> when the in the Knights inaugural season, there were people wearing Clayton Stoner jerseys, you know, and it's Stoner's career ended before the Knights ever played a single game. But uh, I remember like well, Stoner, who's that? You know, <laughs> yeah. the the only jersey that ever got printed with Quick's name on it was this dude. So you know, right, like, right. Uh, yeah. What a mistake. Yeah. What a yeah, you're better so, off buy so the jersey and wait and then take it down wait. and have the name printed exactly. on it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the moral um, of the story. I, so Exactly, my friend. Exactly. Uh, look, it's been fantastic talking trade deadline with you. Now the real stuff begins because now every time we're going to be catching up every fortnight, we're getting closer and closer to the playoffs. And we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, be, we'll be back, I should say, in a fortnight's time. So this episode is releasing a few days early. The one after that will be releasing on the 22nd of... March, which takes us right, 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 right up to the uh, to the business end. So in terms of 22nd of March, we're talking, there's only a handful of games. I say that in the mm. NHL, it's like 15, but we'll be, we'll, we have a much, much, much better idea on terms of where Seattle is, where mm-hmm. Vegas is. So, right. so until yeah. then, guys, stay safe, stay well. Thank you for everybody who's watching our uh, stuff on YouTube. We appreciate that. And obviously the listeners. Uh, on the normal podcast route we love you all Um, and yeah hope everyone enjoyed the trade deadline we'll see you in a fortnight's time see you soon bye bye